Welcome to Revolution Podcast, a place where we discuss the Bible, culture, faith, and why it matters for you. I'm Quinn, and this is my co-host, Chase. And if you're looking for a podcast that explores the revolutionizing power of Christ in your life, then this is the show for you. Hello, and we are back. Chase and Quinn in the studio. Quinn, say hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. Press X to interact. <laughs> <laughs> hello. Welcome to Starbucks. What can I get for you today? I would like... No, actually, I can't. Um, anyways, Quinn, um, <laughs> how are you? <laughs> I'm doing really good. How are you? I'm good. Have you had a good week? Yeah, it's been really good. Yeah. Lots of work, but it's been nice. That is that is good. How about you? You're on reading break. I am on reading break. It's been very nice. It's been good to step back from school a little bit to... Like, I, got a, ugh, I got a stupid midterm like the day I get back. Dude. Which is just the worst timing ever. Yeah. But so anyways, just been doing a bit of work with that, but it's been really, really nice to be able to step back. Yeah. Just, just enjoy different things. Enjoy being with my family, with my girlfriend and to do schoolwork, but like much more relaxed than I've been doing. Like the last two weeks of school were crazy before this. Oh, so right. Yeah. It was really, really nice. Today, we are finishing off our gospel talk series, which mm-hmm. is crazy. We've done yeah. three episodes so far. Uh, this is the fourth one on the four essential elements of the New Testament. We've done what is the gospel? Great place to start. Yep. We've done the we've done an episode on the kingdom of God. We've done an episode asking what about the law? Right? Yeah, like, how yeah. does that apply to our lives? Go listen to that. That one might be my favorite, I think, of the series so far. Oh, yeah. Just like listening, like listening back to all of them. I'm like, oh, I really like, like that one turned out really, really well. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed that a lot. And today I'm hoping we can make this one the best episode of all of them. Totally. Um, this, I'm down. This, this hopefully will be our favorite by the end because uh, we are mm-hmm. doing an episode on the Great Commission. Set that up a little bit so you can spike it. The Old Testament in its focus of the people of God is very inward, right? It's like Israel, Israel, protect yourself, guard yourself from the nations. There's the promise to Abraham in Genesis 12 of all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you, but it is the whole Old Testament is Israel, insulate and protect yourself from these outside things, right? Keep your covenant Mm -hmm. with Yahweh. You come to the New Testament and suddenly this inward centrifugal force turns outward. I, I hope I'm not mixing them up. Centrifugal and c- centripetal, right? Like, you know, there's two forces. One's like spinning inward, yeah. the other spinning outward. The New Testament suddenly just like the gospel explodes outward. Yeah. And Jesus has this line in Matthew that's very famous in Matthew 28. The section is called the Great Commission. And that's mm-hmm. what we're talking about. And it really encapsulates like this just explosion of relationship with God that's being offered to the entire world um, that has set up the trajectory of human history for the last 2,000 years, right? Like mm-hmm. these words from the Gospel of Matthew have completely changed the history of the world. Um, 100%. Because the church quickly became integral to Western society as we know it, to Eastern society as we know it in a lot of ways. Why, why, why don't you read, do you want to read that passage for us? Yeah, for sure. So the passage is from Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then on when Jesus ascends into heaven, before that in Acts 1 verse 8, kind of does almost another great commission. Yeah. Don't want to read that one as well? Yeah, for sure. 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Yeah. Okay, so really interesting about that. Jerusalem was this city that they were kind of residing around, Mm -hmm. right? Like this one city. Judea and Samaria are these regions outside of that, to the north and to the south, right? So you start in this one city, suddenly you're expanding to these two regions. And then so Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, then he says to the ends of the earth, right? Mm -hmm. So Jesus says this gospel is going to start here, but then it is going to expand to cover the whole globe, right? So he's saying, it's very similar, go out, go to everywhere, yeah, it just it just shows how Jesus he didn't well the gospel isn't confined to just the Jews. No. no right? Longer, in in yeah. this in this text Jesus doesn't say go make disciples of Judea. Yeah. In Jerusalem. Just just keep evangelizing in Jerusalem. Yeah. No, he said Judea and Samaria and all of the earth. Yeah. Which is so, and so then in in Romans, Paul and and uh, some of his other books as well. Mm-hmm. But Paul really unpacks that, where he's like, "What was said to Abraham has is now being fulfilled, right? Like mm-hmm. through through you, I will bless all the nations of the earth." He's saying that is being fulfilled in our day and age, which is like, which is true, and yeah. it's kind of mind blowing, right? Like mm-hmm. that this covenant of God with Israel that he's so long related with them to, he's now enacted this new covenant with his people which is that it's no longer this one nation that that but he he's gathering his people from every nation in all the world which is amazing something really interesting as well in this Matthew 28 passage Jesus starts it by saying all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me like just a sidebar but that means that when we go out as the church, and we'll get into this a little bit more later, but like when we go out as the church to fulfill this great commission and in whatever way we are seeking to fulfill it, mm-hmm. that means that we're going out with the authority of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like the authority of Jesus that when Peter looked at the lame man in front of the temple and said, in the name of Jesus Christ to get up and walk. And the man was instantly healed, right? Like the name of Jesus that casted out deep, like, like the name of Jesus, the authority of Jesus, mm-hmm. like that has been given to him. He it, implicitly, he says, I'm giving it to you. He says, all authority has been given to me. Go. And he says this word, therefore, because yeah. of the authority that's been given to me, you're my disciples and my emissaries. And in Acts 1-8, my witnesses, right? Totally. And in Acts 1-8 specifically, he says the Holy Spirit you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, right? And so we're being empowered by the authority of Jesus and the work of the Spirit to go out and do these things. So basically, you're not doing it alone, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not, it's it's a very hope-filled thing, which is no matter what happens when we go out, mm-hmm. we're going with the authority of God yeah, to do these things, uh, which means it's good, right? Uh, and the reason I want to point out specifically that it's good might seem basic, but there's a really uh, what would you say? Negative connotation to evangelism and world missions a lot of the times these days, right? Okay. And, and I, I'm like, I, I, I think it's a reaction against a lot of the colonial practices from the 19th and 20th centuries and even earlier, right? Where mm-hmm. along with missionaries going out to spread the gospel throughout the, the war, like this new world that they were discovering in America and different places, uh, a lot of people see that as just uh, like a sort of cover or veneer for wanting to expand empire and, and wanting to gain economic power and that sort of thing and to subjugate people and 
obviously those things happen sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. And so people will turn that now and say, like, there's world missions nowadays puts a very bad taste in their mouth. But that's just, I, I, I really think that's throwing the baby out with the bathwater, right? Like, mm-hmm. ju- just because th- there have been abuses by people in power in the past, and they have used missionaries to do so, that, that doesn't mean that the Great Commission is void, Right, like Jesus' command still applies today, and missionaries today, like they, they do very good things. Like yeah. missionaries are the ones breaking ground and bringing doctors to people, and and, and showing people how how to gain clean water supplies, and like all all these different things that that are just good. Anyways, I, I, that's just something that's important to remember. Right, is like when we talk about world missions and that sort of thing, it's it's not this human contrived thing to try to oppress people or or do anything like that. Uh, can it become that? Of course, because people are flawed. But if we're going just from what the Bible says, this is a command from Jesus to go out and do this, which means it's a very good thing. Let, let's recap quickly here. So Great Commission, go out, make disciples. Fundamentally, to make disciples and baptize them, what has to happen first? Well, in Jesus' ministry, he had to preach the gospel first, right? So this really is a call to go out and to evangelize, yep. to proclaim the gospel. Not only that, but then also, and th- this is something, I, I want to get your thoughts on this. When we can talk about evangelism a bit, we, we've done some episodes on evangelism before, so don't want to encroach too much onto that territory, but I think it'd be good to touch on it. But Jesus says, go out and make disciples. And so I don't think a Christian disciple is just somebody who's heard the gospel one time and they're like, I'll follow Jesus. And then we're like, great. And then we move on to the next person, right? It's like job completed, mm-hmm. all done. Because that's not what Jesus did, right? What what did he do with his disciples? Yeah. He said, well, follow me. That's what I was Stay yeah. close to me. And do you know why they need to stay close to him? Because they didn't get it right ever. And then yeah. at the, like, the toughest moment, they all ran away from him. And Judas went a little bit worse. But like, you know, like those were his disciples and not yeah. a single one of them succeeded the test. And they had been walking and they they were close by him in his life every day for years. Mm-hmm. And so that I think that just speaks to... Like discipleship isn't this one time. Oh, you're con- you you believe in Jesus now? What am I still doing here? Right, and get on to the next like event. Right. Like discipleship is a lifelong relationship uh, of instruction and guidance and mentorship and accountability. And I don't know. I I think we are doing a good job of that right now in in our church context at least when i say our church i don't mean like our church specifically i actually actually see our church pushing back on a lot of the the normal trend in the western church of come to church get saved now you're you you can handle it from there Mm -hmm. right that that's a very western church kind of thing north american church and i see actually our church specifically working really hard to combat that and working really hard to give people personal like like mentorships and life groups where where you are joined into these communities where you're lifted up and guided and supported mm-hmm. in your Christian walk but generally I, I I don't think that's the norm but what do you think about that going back to what you said on evangelism yeah. and discipleship yeah. I I also want to highlight what Paul did because Paul didn't just a lot of the churches that he visited, he didn't just come in, do a quick survey, and then write a letter to them. Right. No, he was there 
saw it. He was with the church for a long time. Yeah. And then he would hear things and then he would write a letter, but he had a relationship with people at the church that he was in. Right. And his form of discipleship in that sense was going into a church and and just being with the people. Right. Instructing, teaching, loving, caring, and just being in community and sharing the gospel ultimately. Yeah. The whole entire time. Yeah. That was a way that Paul demonstrated the gospel. So I, I can can I can I kind of get into that conversation yeah. a little bit. I think I think that's an example of Paul being a good pastor. I, I think okay. that's him pastor. I think the be- I th- I think he's a very good example of this discipling, but I think the best example of him doing that is with Timothy. Okay. Like this young man who he sees and he says, Okay, there's a gift here but you're young, you need to be instructed and raised up. Come with me, come see how, come walk with me into my life. See mm-hmm. how I do this. Um, and then when he does that and Timothy's mm-hmm. in relationship with him and Paul takes him and instructs him and teaches him, then he says, okay, now I'm going to let you out of the nest. Now you go do this. But he, he doesn't just abandon him even still. He writes letters to check in. Timothy asks for help. Paul says, okay, let me, I'm going to write to you. I'm going to, I'm going to, if, if you're mm-hmm. having trouble, I'm going to help you. So, so I, I think, cause I, th- I think you're right where there's this community need to know each other and that sort of thing. But I think that, I think discipleship needs to be even more like nitty gritty than that, where, where I, I think I'm still working out how practically this would look like, but I think every individual in the church should have an individual mentor discipling them, right? Like a Christian mm-hmm. who is older, more mature and wiser who can walk and maybe it's like, like a, a couple with a couple, like maybe that's an easier way to do it. But I, I, in some way, everybody should have somebody specifically mentoring, looking after, supporting, encouraging, correcting mm-hmm. them. Because, because I think we all need that, right? Like mm-hmm. it's one thing. And I think the community is exactly totally necessary and important for discipleship. But I think, I think what I was, I, I think maybe I didn't make it as clear. No, what, no, you're good. I think um, the thing with Paul was he didn't come in and just say, you're saved, good to go. Yes. How do you see in our youth and young adult culture, which we're both very involved in either as like coming out of the youth culture and now being leaders in it, mm-hmm. um, being involved in young adult culture in, in lots of different areas, right? Like whether it be like at Cape and Ray where you were, were at Bible college or in just in our churches or just in our friend groups, right? There's, I think, very much a tendency towards that kind of spiritual high. I, th- yes. I, I, I think yes. that's super common. What, what, what do we do about that? As people mm-hmm. are in the church, how, how do? Because I, I don't think, I don't think, the, I, I don't think that's necessarily bad in and of itself, right? Um, like the classic examples, like the camp experience, right? Like the camp high, like we, you hear about that all the time. Yes. But how do we practically handle those things for people? Or what advice can we give to people who have been through something like that where, you know, I had this really great worship experience or sometimes I feel God really powerfully during worship, but then the rest of their life feels dead. What, what, how do people handle that? Yeah. First of all, I, with the, with the camp high, I was actually talking to a program director at a camp yeah. uh, the other day and I was asking him about that. And he said a big thing that they try and do is they try and get students mm-hmm whether they're just like a, a summer volunteer yeah. and they're like, oh man, I had a great experience. It's like, get them connected with someone back at their church, right? He says, something that we're trying to do is take a look at, hey, get connected with the youth pastors mm-hmm. around where the church is and be like, hey, these are the kids that came this summer. We want to direct them to you because we know the experience that they had. But I think if someone who had a, a worship experience or they were just in a sermon and they're like, whoa, this is amazing. 
and then two days later, they stop reading their Bible. That happens so often. I think a big thing, you haven't been taught to to maybe form any kind of habit mm. in a sense, yeah. or you just don't know how to handle it. Maybe it, it goes away and you're just like, it'll never happen again. Yeah, and so I think I think we just fall out of habit. I, I don't really have a great answer for no, that. no. I, I think that's really helpful. And that thing with the camp directors, it's literally what we're talking about right now, mm-hmm. right? So just, just remind people. I, I don't mean to get too off track. I think this is related what we're talking about here. But we're talking about the Great Commission. Part of that the Great Commission is not just getting converts; it's making disciples. So Quinn and I right now, all this discussion is about how do you make genuine di- disciples of Jesus, right? And so then talking about this like spiritual high sort of thing. C.S. Lewis has this uh, line from the Screw Tape Letters. I, I, I wish I, I could quote it directly because he writes so well, you know. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, it's Screw Tape Letters, just so it impacts people properly. Screw Tape Letters is this kind of fictional correspondence between two demons or two tempters, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, who and essentially in, the, in this little, like, it, it's fictional, but Lewis, it's satire, right? And so the idea is that each person has an individual demon who's tempting them and trying to keep them away from following God. And so this young demon who's very new on the job is writing to his older uncle asking for advice on how, how do I tempt this person really, really well? And so the screw tape is the uncle's name. And so it's all his advice. And so it's Lewis satirizing and poking fun at and giving very good wisdom on how Christians give into temptation all the time, these different things. And so he talks about this at one point. And what he says, screw tapes advice to his nephew Wormwood is when they have an experience like that, the high, make them think that that's what it's always supposed to be like. Mm. Right. When they've got, yeah. when, when they're in the, when they're in the flow with prayer and it feels really good and they feel connected. He says, screw, ta- screw tape says, don't panic Wormwood. You can, you can use this. He says, make them think that that's always what it's supposed to be like, because then when it's not, they'll fall apart. Right. And I remember reading that and I was like, yeah, that's true. We view it like, like we think it's always supposed to be this elevated spiritual experience constantly. And that's just not the reality for anybody. I I don't think that was, that wasn't the reality for Paul, like the thorn in his flesh, Lord, like take this away from me. Like I prayed again and again to the Lord. And he said, no, yeah, my, my, like my power is glorified in your weakness. Right, so that that's just never been the reality for Christians. Go read Romans seven as well for more stuff about Paul, just the struggles he would have. So, it, it, like those, that, and this is why I, I say those things are good because they're blessings, right? Like it's it's definitely a blessing from God those things. But I, I really like what you were saying there about how get connected with somebody, get into a community where you're not just. I, I think the quickest way to kill your spiritual life is to do it alone. Yes. Right? The way to foster a love for God is to be with Christians who love God. Mm-hmm. A way to defeat sin in your life is to have a person, a older, wiser Christian who you can talk to about that sin and talk to about your struggles. And, mm-hmm. and like, because you're like, oh, I don't want to tell everybody. Okay, tell one person. Mm-hmm. Tell one person who can help you. Like, it makes such a big difference. So, I don't know. I, I, I would just throw that out there. But, okay, let, can we refocus a little bit? I, I'm, I'm sure we could talk about that totally. for a long time. Let's refocus around the Great Commission. Let, let's hit on evangelism briefly here. Um, here's a quote from Martin Luther. Every Christian must become Christ to his neighbor. Okay. 
does Luther mean we should all die for our neighbors on crosses so that we can atone for their sin? I would say no. I would say not. I know people call Luther a heretic, but he's not that bad. Um, <laughs> not me, just the Catholics. It's different. Um, <laughs> anyways, no, but what he means there is that we're supposed to make Christ visible to those around us. Paul has this line, I can't remember which book it's in. It confuses a lot of people. It confused me for a while, where he says, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's sufferings. And that's just a stumbling block for a lot of people because they go like, <laughs> the thing is, is that with that one, what Paul means is not that Jesus' suffering wasn't sufficient, right? It's just not visible to everybody. When we tell people in the gospel, because the gospel I think is summed up really well in the Apostles' Creed in some sense, where it's like, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. And that's a really important part of the story, is that he suffered and that he died. But when we say that to people, they don't always know what that means exactly, or, or tangibly what that looks like. But then suddenly this Paul guy comes along and they see him getting whipped in front of the entire town and stoned and left for dead outside the city wall. And then mm -hmm. he, the next day he's back and he's evangelizing again. And they're like, oh, I see. So it's not that we are supposed to make up for something that Jesus didn't do. It's not that at all. We're supposed to make visible what Jesus did to people, right? We're supposed to show this is like the little way that I'm suffering now, Christ suffered so much more. The little way that I'm able to love you this way, Christ loved you so much more by dying mm -hmm. for it. Like we're supposed to make Christ visible to, visible to people. So that so th that's what I think evangelism is, right? Is like telling the gospel, proclaiming it, and then witnessing is making Christ visible to people. Like, I, I think you could call evangelism gospeling, right? I think Sproul said that somewhere, right? It's like, go you're gospeling to people. That's what evangelism mm -hmm. is. It's just talking about the gospel. Yeah, um, and I think with evangelism, you also, I think some people, a lot of people, and this is can be a big excuse for the why people don't evangelize, is, oh, I'm not good enough. I don't know what to say. Right, and we we've, we've talked about it in our gospel episode. What is the gospel? Yeah, and I'm, we've also talked about it in our "Why is Evangelism So Hard" episode. Yes. I'm pretty certain we did. We, oh, we definitely did. Yeah, but I also think that if you look at anybody in the Bible, God used all the imperfect people, the most imperfect people. God built the church off of Peter, mm. in a sense, right? Yep. On this rock, I will build my church. Be careful, exactly. Catholics. Be careful now. <laughs> Don't make him a pope. <laughs> I'm. So, I have to make jokes. Like I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But anyways, continue. <laughs> but Peter denied Jesus three times. Oh my word! He was. But he was like he was in the garden. He was like, even though everybody, because Jesus was like, you all are gonna abandon me. Peter goes, even if they all fall away, I'm not gonna do that. And then he does it worse than anybody, mm -hmm. except Judas. But that's different. Anyways, continue. I mean, even. Was it Moses or Abraham? Yep. Moses, Abraham, they were both. Yeah, one of them up. like denied that he was married to his yeah, wife. that was Abraham. Yeah. Twice. <laughs> Listen, okay, hold on. Where are the guys on the podcast? Listen, I'm not married. Okay, I'm not married. Me either. But I've learned some things from my father. And if you, listen, if you tell everybody one time that your wife is your sister, listen, she's not going to be happy, but everybody makes mistakes. But if you do it again, that's what you need to be careful. All right, gentlemen. You also want to look at Grace. Grace. She stayed with him. Yes, yes. Good ladies and men have grace for each other. Anyways. He was very imperfect. And I think that that should give us hope to the fact of, hey, I don't need to be perfect to evangelize. Yeah. I still need to have faith and love Jesus. Yeah. 
but you don't have to have ev- everything together. Well, yeah, that's that's because there's this great thing in do no, no, not Deuteronomy. Maybe it's Exodus. Moses is leading Israel by himself, right? When they get out, and his father-in-law is like, "Are you are you sure you're able to do this?" And Moses is like, "Oh yeah, I'm doing great." And his father's like, "Shut up, boy. Listen, you're being <laughs> dumb. This is gonna fall apart, and you're gonna like." kill yourself with how much work you're doing ruling over these people. So at a certain point, Moses appoints 70 men to help him lead, right? Mm Kind of goes on. And at a certain point, these men start manifesting the power of the Lord. And the rest of Israel's like, Moses, do you want us to kill them? Because they're just used to Moses, like the Lord and the Spirit working through Moses. They haven't seen this in other people before. Mm -hmm. And Moses is like, no, I wish everybody was empowered this way. And then that's it. And then you get to Joel chapter two, and Joel's like, there is coming a day when the spirit of Lord, the, the Lord will be poured out in all his people and your sons mm-hmm. and daughters will prophesy. And then you get to Acts two, after the ascension of Jesus and the coming of the spirit. And Peter, and Peter quotes that passage from Joel two, where the spirit is poured out in all flesh. And he says, this has been fulfilled in your sight today, right? Mm-hmm. This is what's happening right now. So yeah. that's what we live in, right? We live in an era where the spirit is empowering all people. So just to your point there, Quinn, like, yes, we, we may feel ill-equipped or something like that. If you want to learn, like, how, how do you give a basic gospel presentation? Go, you can listen to our episode, What is the Gospel? We talk a lot about it there. But then if you want to hear about that in a spe- specifically in evangelism context, definitely go listen to our episode, Why is Evangelism So Hard? We really get into it there. But I, I, think, I think we should maybe just hit the point, uh, like the church as a whole, we were talking about this earlier, Quinn, mm-hmm. uh, the church as a whole needs to be involved in this work, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the pastor's job isn't to evangelize by himself. This church staff's job isn't to do, isn't to fulfill the great commission, right? Like they're not the church. They're part of the church, mm-hmm. but they're, they're a very small part of the church. Yeah. And they're, that isn't even most of their job. Most of the job of people who work full-time in the church, most of the job of the pastor is to equip us, the rest of the church, to go and do that sort of thing. Totally. So, I don't know, I, I just think, like, of, of a country uh, where, like, this, like, you know, like, you know, like, the citizen reserve, where it's, like, these citizens who are, they're, they're living their normal lives, but they're trained and ready to go at a moment's notice should war come. Mm-hmm. It's, like, something like that, like, the church, we've got, no, like, we're, like, we're, we're big, right? Like, the church has numbers, but are we, like, mo- or can we be mobilized like mm-hmm. that, right? Like, are, are we ready to go, or can we come together for action? Yeah, the, uh, again, like the, the pastor's job isn't to do that. His job is to lead, like uh, like taking the army analogy, he's like a general in the army. Mm-hmm. But since when does the general go, f- like, he's like, okay, boys, you guys take you guys take a nap. I'm going to go fight the army by myself. You don't worry. No, 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 don't you worry about it. I got this one. Like, mm-hmm. that's ridiculous. Like, like the general gives orders and may fight alongside his men, but he's not fighting the battle. And so when it comes to the church, we, we shouldn't expect pastors or any leader to do the work by themselves. They're directing us. They're giving us direction and training us and building us up. And so I just think that should wake us up in church. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to be more awake in church. I don't want to take my pastor's application in the sermon as like helpful tips, like from mm-hmm. a magazine or from an Instagram post. Yeah. Like these aren't suggestions on how to live your life. They're commands from the general of your army and 
I think we need to take that a lot. I think we need to take the authority. Uh, this is uh, this is maybe branching off a bit, and I don't want to get too far down this hole. But like, I think we need to take the authority of our pastors more seriously, where where they've actually been given authority by God to direct the church, mm-hmm. um, and and so we shouldn't take suggestions from them. We should take orders from them. Yeah. But then also we should view them as as these men who are guiding us into the Great Commission and showing us how to fulfill it and showing us how to fulfill it in specific circumstances, right? That's the yeah. pastor's job is to take the Bible and say, and this is how we're doing it today. This is how we're living out today mm-hmm. in our church for you and your life. And so I, I think we need to wake up in the pew or in the church or in like the, the gym, wherever we happen to be. Again and again, the Bible describes a Christian life as warfare, spiritual warfare, w- warfare against the world. Like the gates of hell will not prevail against my church, yeah. right? And like, so our sermons on Sunday mornings are these marching orders given to us by our general. I also think that you do need to, I don't want to go into like choosing a church, but I think you also need to find a church that is also going to preach with that authority as well. Absolutely. If your church doesn't, I don't know, it, it I don't know if it's time to find a different church mm-hmm. or something, but you'd need to find a church that brings authority to the gospel and how to live it out and presents it well. Absolutely. Which is which is why it's so important that a, that a church and, and a pastor especially and the preaching is rooted in the word and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can maybe do an episode on this at some point. And I also don't want to get too caught in the weeds because I know we both have strong feelings here. 100%. But if your pastor is giving motivational speeches or his own brilliant ideas that's nice but that's not church mm-hmm. a, a sermon is worshiping over the text of the word of god right bringing out a text taught like describing what it means worshiping god for giving it to us and applying it to our lives and it needs to be just a bible satch it all needs to be about the bible and if it's not because 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 the reason the pastor has authority is not because he's special, it's because he's in the Word of God every day, all day, and his authority is entirely the thor- the authority of the Scriptures, mm-hmm. right? Like well, uh, uh, the few times that I've preached, I've tried to make it clear, like I'm not coming at this as somebody with some special authority. All the authority that I have in this moment is from the Word of God. Okay, mm-hmm. so don't don't. View me that way. Don't like because if you view me that way, you can pass off anything I say. But if I'm faithfully applying the word of God to our day, then that's an authority that I'm under too, right? That that's a really interesting thing yeah. about preaching. Is like often you're preaching to yourself, where it's like I'm being taught to submit to God's authority here, and so now we all need to do this together. Your church, I think, to your point there, Quinn. Like, if you need to be in a church that takes that authority of the Bible seriously applies it is in it all the time because because that's the only hope of the church if the church is devoid from the scriptures like what are we doing what 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 maybe nice i was watching a uh and i this is all about the great commission guys don't worry oh i was watching the hillsong the secrets Mm -hmm. of hillsong documentary the other day right and finally finished that uh concluding that it's it's a sec it's secularly produced including that there's an interview from a lady who is in Hillsong and they're they're criticizing the church a lot right and at the at the end this lady said to something to the effect of at the end of the day the church isn't about Jesus you don't you don't need the bible and all that stuff the church is about community and family and belonging and i was like that's that's i th- i think that's where we get it wrong like that's yeah. I mean, that's dead wrong 
and the secular world can believe whatever they want. But if we as people who are in the church start believing that, we need help, okay? Because, because the church is, yes, it is community and it, you, you do belong there and all those things, but it is about Jesus and God, like over and over again. Like the church is like, what, what is it? The body of Christ. That's what the church is, mm-hmm. right? And so that means we need to be centered around the word of Christ and the spirit of Christ and yeah. the father, like all these things, right? Anyways, all that to say, like, to your point, Quinn, like where you go to church is super important for the direction and leadership you receive in fulfilling mm-hmm. the Great Commission. I feel like we could maybe wrap it up. What are your, what's some final show thoughts for you, Chase? End of show thoughts. Evangelism is actually proclaiming the gospel. It's not just being mm-hmm. a good, loving person. Or it's, I don't think it's even just inviting people to church. Those can mm-hmm. be parts of it, but evangelism, yeah. actual evangelism is gospeling. It's telling the gospel. It's telling people that you believe in Jesus and that you believe Jesus is God and that you believe God came to earth 2000 years ago and died on a cross and rose again to save us from our sins. And people might think you're crazy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just need to say it. Yeah, for me, I think when we take a look at the Great Commission, for me, it, it means it can't just be a, oh man, when I feel like it. I'll, I'll tell people about Jesus or when I want to, you know what, I'll, I'll hang out with this person. Maybe I'll bring up the gospel. Instead, I think the Great Commission is a way of living that is being a witness mm-hmm. of Jesus mm-hmm. and actively making disciples and pouring into a community of people. That's great. Awesome. All right. Well, we will be back next week. We're starting our series on the prison epistles of Paul, and we are very, very excited to get into that. All right. We'll see you guys later. See ya.